Hey, Fidelity, can I get a second opinion on stocks in the Fidelity app? With Fidelity, it's easy to get an outside opinion from independent experts in a single score. And then? When you're ready, trade U.S. stocks and ETFs with no commissions. That's right. I am always right. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity account. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Hi there. Happy Thursday. The 2024 presidential race heating up. Yeah, candidates clashing and trading jabs in the final countdown to the first contest. Good morning. It's January 11th, and this is Today. Head-to-head, Donald Trump's main rivals facing off in a heated debate. If you can't manage a campaign, how are you going to manage a country? We don't need another mealy-mouthed politician who just tells you what she thinks you want to hear. The frontrunner sitting it out once again, while Chris Christie exits the race with a parting shot aimed at Nikki Haley caught on a hot mic. She's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. What it all means with the Iowa caucuses just four days away. Day in court, closing arguments this morning at Donald Trump's civil fraud trial in New York. Why the judge is not allowing him to speak. Plus the drama playing out in a Los Angeles courtroom today. Hunter Biden facing federal tax charges following his surprise appearance on Capitol Hill. We're live at the very latest. What went wrong? Boeing CEO admitting mistakes after that terrifying mid-flight blowout on one of its planes. It's a safety incident. And nobody's going to live with that, period. Just ahead, where the investigation stands with all MAX 9 still grounded. Incoming, the next big cross-country storm ramping up, packing more snow, flooding rains and high winds, and set to usher in brutally cold temperatures for tens of millions. Al's forecast is straight ahead. Those stories plus, come aboard. We'll take you inside the world's largest cruise ship. So I could basically find anything that I want to do on board this ship. Our exclusive tour ahead of its maiden voyage. And end of an era, legendary Alabama coach Nick Saban, the winner of seven national titles, announces his retirement. His legacy and what he's saying about the decision that has stunned college football fans everywhere. Today, Thursday, January 11th, 2024. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie. And Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Good morning. Welcome to today. So happy that you're joining us on a Thursday morning. Wow, the college football world's kind of rocked oh, this news of Nick, Nick Saban. Saban retiring. This is the day Alabama fans hoped would never, yeah. ever come after 17 years with Alabama, seven college national titles, six with the Tide. He is wow. retiring, so we'll have a little bit more on that legacy. Incredible career a little yeah, bit later. 72 years old. Mm-hmm. All right. Meanwhile, we're once again monitoring severe weather. Another coast-to-coast storm is on the move this morning. Means more snow, more wind, more rain with parts of the northeast still reeling from that pair of storms that caused major flooding. Al is on top of it all. But our top story, the countdown to Iowa. The caucuses now four days away. And last night, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis squared off in a debate shortly after Chris Christie announced that he was suspending his campaign. As for Donald Trump, he appeared at his own town hall in Iowa and is now returning to New York City for today's closing arguments at his civil fraud trial. 
And the president's son, Hunter Biden, is also set to appear in court today on federal tax charges. We've got a lot to get through. It's a busy Thursday. We've got it all covered. We're going to start with NBC's Garrett Haig right there in Des Moines where the debate was. Hey, Garrett, good morning. Hey, guys, good morning. Yeah, last night's debate was really the last best chance for Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis to introduce themselves to the country ahead of Iowa, really starting this process in earnest on Monday night. But they were overshadowed, at least in part, by Chris Christie dropping out of the race and by a comment from Donald Trump about what he'd like to see on his ticket. Overnight, a fiery face-off in frozen Iowa, with the state's Republican caucuses now just four days away. Put You're our so own people desperate. first. We You're have just to put so governor, governor Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis debating one-on-one in what's likely a race for second place behind the dominant frontrunner here, Donald Trump. Haley and DeSantis launching repeated attacks on each other's records and honesty. Every time he lies, Drake University, don't turn this into a drinking game because you will be overserved by the end of the night. We don't need another mealy mouth politician who just tells you what she thinks you want to hear just to try to get your vote. Haley mocking DeSantis for his campaign slide from top Trump rival as her momentum has grown in polls. If you can't manage a campaign, how are you going to manage a country? DeSantis belittling Haley's work as U.N. ambassador, labeling her as a globalist. You can take the ambassador out of the United Nations, but you can't take the United Nations out of the ambassador. Despite trailing Trump in Iowa and nationally, both candidates barely criticizing him. I agree with a lot of his policies, but his way is not my way. He also promised record deportations. Donald Trump deported fewer people than Barack Obama did when he was president. Earlier Wednesday, the GOP field's most consistent critic of the former president, Chris Christie, suspending his campaign and taking shots at the frontrunner. Anyone who is unwilling to say that he is unfit to be president of the United States is unfit themselves to be president of the United States. Christie was also caught on a hot mic backstage discussing the race. DeSantis called me, petrified. And making this comment, presumably about Haley. She's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. Skipping the debate in favor of a Fox News town hall, Donald Trump seizing on that comment. I happen to believe that Chris Christie is right. That's one of the few things he's been right about, actually. Now, at that Trump town hall, the former president made some news telling the moderators that he already had decided on who he'd like his vice president to be if he has the opportunity to make another pick. Afterwards, the campaign was quick to clarify that no final decision has been made and that Trump would announce that decision if and when it's made. But he certainly raised a lot of eyebrows. We're talking about a potential VP in January before anybody has even voted. The other big story out of this, obviously, is Chris Christie dropping out. Christie had only really run his campaign in New Hampshire, and polling there shows that a lot of his support could go to Nikki Haley. She would badly need it there. It's the state in which she is most competitive with Donald Trump, and picking up Christie's support in this final stretch could help her close the gap there. But obviously, those hot mic comments from Christie suggesting that she's not up to the task, not the kind of parting gift that helps in New Hampshire. All right. Garrett Hagforce there in Des Moines. Garrett, thanks. Well, after that late night in Iowa, Donald Trump will return to New York this morning for closing arguments at his civil fraud trial. He will not be delivering part of the closing arguments, however, after his request was denied by the judge. Let's turn to NBC's senior legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett. Laura, good morning. Hi. A defendant giving his own closing argument is pretty darn unusual. Unheard of. In this case, the judge actually entertained it, was open to it 
for a moment. Explain what happened here. One of the dynamics in this trial that has been so unusual and fascinating to watch is what has gone on between the former president and the judge, because it's a bench trial. The judge is the one who is deciding his financial future. But now his lawyer is embroiled in this whole bizarre email exchange with the actual judge about whether the former president could do his own closing argument, even though he has competent counsel. And the judge's only requirement was that he stay on topic and that he not give any disparaging remarks. He was not willing to do that. So the judge has said he is not allowed to give his own closing argument. He can go in the hallway and talk, as he has done throughout this trial, but he is not allowed to do his own closing argument. It's a pretty snippy exchange between the lawyer and the judge, which the judge released. People can read it and and judge for themselves. Let's talk about what's at stake at this trial. As mentioned, it's a bench trial. The judge is deciding there is no jury here. And already the key issue was fraud committed, has been decided, and the judge said, yes. So now it's just a question of, What's the penalty? This this entire ordeal that we have seen for the last three months is all about money and it's about control. The attorney general wants three hundred and seventy million dollars now in a penalty. She's bumped that number up, basically seeing how this trial has gone from. She was asking for two fifty. It's now three seventy. She also wants him to basically be run out of the state of New York, out of doing business, all real estate deals, giving up um, control of his namesake company. And remember, also, his two sons are defendants here, so they could also face liability potentially. Um, the judge has said he expects to rule in a written decision in the next couple weeks. All right, Laura, thank you very much. Let's move to another courtroom that will be closely watched uh, today. The president's son, Hunter Biden, scheduled to be arraigned in Los Angeles on federal tax charges after he made a surprise appearance on Capitol Hill yesterday. NBC's Ryan Nobles joins us now from the courthouse in L.A. Ryan, what are we expecting today? Hey, Hoda, good morning. This is expected to be a routine arraignment hearing where Hunter Biden will answer to nine tax-related charges, three of which are felonies. Now, Biden's accused of neglecting to pay more than a million dollars in taxes and filing false returns, instead spending on things like drugs, escorts, and luxury hotels. Now, if convicted, Biden could face up to 17 years in prison. His legal team says that Biden has since paid those debts back with interest, and he's now only being targeted because his last name is Biden. Hold up. Well, Ryan, this all comes uh, after that court appearance by Hunter Biden. He made an unexpected appearance in Congress yesterday. There were some dramatic, dramatic moments there. Walk us through what happened. Yeah, it was a pretty wild day on Capitol Hill yesterday, Hoda, after two congressional committees voted to recommend that the full House hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress for violating a subpoena. Now, House Republicans wanted Biden to appear for a closed door deposition about allegations that President Biden benefited from his son's business dealings. Now, Hunter Biden was willing to testify publicly, but not behind closed doors, arguing that Republicans would selectively leak what he said. And in a surprise appearance, Biden dramatically entered the hearings and sat in the front row, leading to shouting matches and chaotic moments with Republicans accusing him of taunting them. Now, as he left, Biden told me that if they'd called him to testify yesterday, he would have done so. Now, if the contempt measure passes the House, it will then go to the Justice Department to decide whether or not they will prosecute the president's son. Hoda. All right. Ryan Nobles first there in L.A. Ryan, thank you. Also this morning, we're hearing from the CEO of Boeing in the wake of that frightening midair blowout involving one of its Max 9 planes. The CEO promising to find out where quality control broke down. The NTSB and FAA are investigating. NBC senior correspondent Tom Costello covers aviation for us. Tom, good morning. 
Yeah, good morning. That's right. United and Alaska Airlines are the only airlines that fly the MAX 9, and they're waiting for inspection procedures from Boeing and the FAA before they start this process to inspect. Five to eight hours. So for now, all MAX 9s remain grounded. Alaska says at least through Saturday, while Boeing very much right now in damage control. Once again, Boeing is fighting for its reputation. Six days after the side of an Alaska Airlines MAX 9 blew out in flight, forcing an emergency landing, CEO David Calhoun told employees airline confidence in Boeing is on the line. Moments like this shake them to the bone, just like it shook me. In a CNBC exclusive, Calhoun says he takes this accident very personally. I saw the picture, everybody saw the opening. But what I really saw was the empty seat. And I had spent a week with my kids and grandkids, and uh, so enough said. Out of pure luck, no one was seated next to the hull when it opened up. It's been five years since 346 people died in two MAX 8 crashes overseas. The MAX 8 was then grounded for two years. Boeing forced to pay $2.5 billion in fines and settlements. But Boeing has struggled with quality control. This MAX 9 was brand new, delivered in November, yet with a potentially fatal flaw. Investigators believe the door plug that blew out wasn't properly secured. The NTSB says four critical bolts have not been found. It's not clear if the bolts were ever attached. When Alaska and United Airlines technicians examined other MAX 9s, they found loose bolts around those door plugs, too. The fuselage for the MAX is made by Wichita-based Spirit Aerosystems, then delivered to Boeing for final assembly. We're not going to point fingers there because, yes, it escaped their factory, but then it escaped ours, too. Spirit has also struggled with quality control problems, but says, as a company, we remain focused on the quality of each aircraft structure that leaves our facilities. Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg. Are you concerned about the quality of product that Boeing is turning out, and should the American public be concerned? What I'll say is that every plane that they deliver to an airline, every plane that goes into the skies needs to be 100% safe, and they need to be able to demonstrate that. Tom, we've talked about those warning lights that went off on that very same Alaska Airlines plane. Is there any determination on whether that was connected to the part that blew off? Right now, the NTSB doesn't think so. They think that those warnings were not related to the actual decompression explosion. While the primary sensor gave a warning, the secondary system showed no problem at all. Still, this is going to be part of the investigation. But right now, they don't think that they were linked. They think it's a coincidence. Oh, interesting. Okay, Tom, thank you. 714 weather continues to be a big story. Craig joins the table. Indeed. Hoda, Savannah, good morning. Good morning to you as well. This morning, millions are cleaning up. They're recovering, in some cases, rebuilding after that deadly winter storm that brought snow, tornadoes, and torrential rain across much of the country. Just as a new threat of severe weather moves in, Mr. Roker standing by, of course, with that all-important forecast. But first, NBC's Emily Aketa joins us from Little Falls, New Jersey. Emily, good morning to you. Hey there, Craig. More than 180 million Americans are under new winter alerts through the week while still cleaning up from the last brutal blast. This morning, water rescue teams here are at the ready as floodwaters continue to spill into communities. You can see the water encroaching on homes behind me in an area that has seen nearly double the amount of rainfall, the average rainfall over the past month.
This morning, a second blast of brutal weather is barreling across the U.S., just as millions are cleaning up from another sprawling winter storm this week. Some rivers in the Northeast still rising, spilling over into neighborhoods after nearly five inches of rain battered parts of the already drenched region. We weren't going to be able to walk across the current, and so we at that point just kind of committed to staying in the building. Schools closed and neighborhoods evacuated near a partial dam breach in Connecticut Wednesday. Rescue crews pooling people from fast-moving floodwaters. Winter weather from coast to coast. And in California, devastation at a popular ski resort near Lake Tahoe. After a massive avalanche nearly 10 feet deep and 450 feet long swept up four people and killed one, a 66-year-old man. Oh, this is a very sad day. For my, for my team and, and uh, everyone here. Back east, powerful winds whipping along the New England coastline. Strong enough to push this empty southwest plain into a jet bridge in Maine. It's the same system that blanketed the Midwest in blinding snow and brought two dozen reported tornadoes to the south. Residents there now picking up what's left of leveled homes. Nationwide, there's no relief in sight for storm-weary communities, bracing for another blast of winter. We got flooded, I think, six weeks ago, right? We just, two days ago, we just finished all the work, and now we're going to have to go through the same thing again. So you can make out where the Passaic River is and how it's spilling into the community behind me. It almost turns out to look like a lake because of just how the floodwaters are encroaching on homes in this area. The Passaic River is still rising and expected to remain in flood stage at least through tomorrow. That means the region could be battered with even more rain uh, before all of this floodwater even recedes. Craig? Exactly what they don't need. Okay. Uh, Emily Aketaforce there. Emily, thank you. Yeah, I was tracking what was here, what's coming here. What does it look like? Well, it's it's not good. Hey, good morning, everybody. Here we go. We're talking about 47 million people under winter weather alerts. We've got right now almost 90 million under wind alerts from California on into the southeast and flood alerts into the northeast. So we get started with tonight. We're looking at severe storm impacts, damaging hail two inches or more, isolated strong tornadoes possible wind gust of up to 60 miles per hour. Now, tomorrow, we're going to see this storm intensify so much. It is going to become a bomb cyclone, bombogenesis. Late tonight, it's at 996 millibars, drops to 971. A 25 millibar drop in 24 hours makes it a weather bomb. Blizzard conditions from the plains to the Midwest. The Northeast is going to see rain and flooding Friday night. And in fact, Friday night, we've got an enhanced risk of tornadoes for this region. We're looking at EF2 or stronger tornadoes from Montgomery, Alabama, Macon, Georgia, on into Columbia, South Carolina, and into southern North Carolina as well. Saturday, lake effect snow will create whiteout conditions, strong winds and rain gusting over 50 miles per hour in the northeast, heavy rain throughout the northeast again and in the mid-Mississippi River Valley, and we're looking at heavy snow. Blizzard conditions expected. Chicago, Green Bay, Grand Rapids, Minneapolis, we're talking about anywhere from 6 to 12 inches of snow, heavy snow out to the west. And when we come back in the next half hour, we are going to be looking at a brutal Arctic uh, outbreak into early next week. Daytime highs will be 25 to 50 degrees below average for a good portion of the country with wind chills 50 degrees below zero in some spots. We're going to look at that in more detail coming up.
And that's your latest weather. Yeah. All right, Al, thank you so much. Coming up, Law & Order SVU star Mariska Hargitay opening up for the very first time about being the survivor of sexual assault, why she's decided to share her experience now and what she's hoping people take away from her story. Also ahead, the largest cruise ship ever built now in Port Miami preparing for its maiden voyage. We're going to take you aboard that massive icon of the seas for an exclusive tour. But first, this is Today on NBC. <laughs> This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 7.30, fun new use of the hottest new attraction in Las Vegas. You kind of can't really tell, but that's actually, that's humongous. That's the sphere in Las Vegas. Where you 2 is playing? That sphere? Yes, that's it. Okay. And it's a massive game of Tetris to honor the 40th anniversary. Tetris is having a moment right now. You remember that kid from last week who broke the record? Yeah. And beat Tetris? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We've got a busy half hour ahead this morning, starting with a deeply personal story now being shared for the very first time by Law & Order SVU star Mariska Hargitay. For 25 years, she's played a, de- a detective who tracks down sexual offenders. Well, now in People magazine, she's opening up about her own experience as a survivor of sexual assault. NBC senior national correspondent Kate Snow is here. Hi, Kate. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, guys. So for years, Mariska Hargitay has done a lot of work for survivors of rape and assault. But until now, she did not talk about her own history. She writes this happened 30 years ago, that for years she minimized it. But now she's able to see clearly, she says, what was done to her. So she chose to write a first-person essay. For a quarter of a century through Law & Order SVU, Hargitay has shined a light on what sexual abuse looks like. Now, in an exclusive essay for People magazine, she's describing her own sexual trauma. A man raped me in my 30s, she begins. It wasn't sexual at all. It was dominance and control, overpowering control. As many survivors do, Hargitay says she pushed it out of her mind. I couldn't process it. I couldn't believe that it happened, that it could happen. So I cut it out. I removed it from my narrative. 
She says of her experience, he was a friend, then he wasn't. I went into freeze mode, a common trauma response when there is no option to escape. I checked out of my body. But as the years went on, she says, she began talking about it in earnest with those closest to her. They were the first ones to call it what it was. They were gentle and kind and careful, but their naming it was important. Now I'm able to see clearly what was done to me. I understand the neurobiology of trauma. Trauma fractures our mind and our memory the way a mirror fractures. Hargitay telling people that she and Olivia Benson, who's also experienced trauma throughout the show's run, are on a parallel journey. She's discussed her beloved character on Today. This is a character that our society needs, against all odds, is uh, focused and believes survivors. Hargitay told me viewers regularly send her letters with their stories. To learn that these women who had been through this horrible trauma would have the courage to come forward and then to be ignored. She became an advocate for them, founding the Joyful Heart Foundation in 2004 and speaking out. Although we have seen progress, there is still much more work to be done. In her essay now, she writes, they're the ones who've been a source of strength for me. Her essay ends, the experience was horrible, but it doesn't come close to defining me. I'm turning 60 and I'm so deeply grateful for where I am and I'm still proudly in process. And it's so profound that it happened, we're discussing 30 years ago, and mm -hmm. it's still a very, very painful thing to talk about. So what right. is she hoping? For anyone. Yeah, for anybody. So what's she hoping to do by writing about it? I think she just really, she says she really wants to normalize these difficult conversations, and she thought by telling her story that would help other people maybe tell their own stories. You know, she really wants to, she's told us in the past, she wants to reduce the, st the stigma, the shame that some people feel around sexual assault. Mm. Takes yeah. a lot of courage, but we know that she has that in yeah, spades. We've heard her here talk about that so many times, and it always did seem so deeply personal. I always it always struck me when she was here, and now she's sort of explaining why. Yeah, yeah so, in right. a way. Kate, thank Thanks. you. Uh, by the way, that new uh, issue of People Magazine on newsstands nationwide tomorrow, and there's more on this story on People.com. All right. Well, still ahead, Selena Gomez landing her next big role on Popstart. We'll tell you which music icon's life story she will bring to the big screen. First, though, there are cruise ships. Then there's the new icon of the seas, the largest cruise ship in the world. So we sent our largest correspondent, <laughs> Sam Brock, to check it out. Feels appropriate, doesn't it, Craig? Guys, good morning. There is enough cable on this ship to wrap around the Earth twice and yet Royal Caribbean says the size is not the main storyline here but the experience is pushing the envelope of what is possible at sea. We'll show you right after this break. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.
We're back 739 uh, this morning on In-Depth Today, the largest cruise ship on the planet Earth. That's saying a lot, too. So after years of brainstorming and development, Royal Caribbean has launched the Icon of the Seas. That's what it's called. And at nearly 1,200 feet long, if you stood that ship, if you stood it up, it would be about the same height as the Empire State Building. Wow. All right. Well, it pulled into Port Miami this week. NBC's Sam Brock got an exclusive look ahead of its maiden voyage. Sam, good morning. Yeah, Savannah, guys, good morning. Royal Caribbean says this roughly seven-year-long process was about building the best family vacation ever. The ship's size, guys, was never the focus. But here we are on one side, Chill Island with pools, cabanas, and a swim-up bar. On the other side, where I'm standing, Thrill Island, which includes a six-slide water park and experiences that will leave passengers breathless. Royal Caribbean's brand new icon of the seas is finally home at Port Miami, becoming the largest cruise ship on the planet. You're not competing with another cruise. You're competing with any other vacation a family would want to do. So I could basically find anything that I want to do on board this ship. And Chief Product Innovation Officer Jay Schneider may actually have planned for everything. This so-called neighborhood geared toward families is one of eight across the icon, catering to all different experiences. Our first swim-up bar and the largest swim-up bar that anybody's ever put on a ship before. From Chill Island, which offers pools, cabanas, and that bar, swim and tonic, to Thrill Island. With surfing and slides that create a thunderous water park atmosphere. And Central Park, which has shopping and a 10-course meal option alongside some jazz. But expect to be wound inside, too, with what Schneider calls the mic drop moment. Three stories of glass views and the Pearl. The Pearl is the world's largest kinetic art sculpture. Um, it's a, an arrival moment for us. For some families, like the McMasters and 11-year-old Bella, the arrival of the Aquadome and its high-tech performances prompted mom to book a cruise for 20. The fact that there's so much available for all ages is what appealed to me the most. There's so many things like the robots and like the water and the divers. Broadway's Wizard of Oz finds a home at the Royal Theater with the Wicked Witch of the West and a Dorothy whose real name is Ruby. I've never seen anything like this. I mean, I fly not once, not twice. I fly three times in this show. Which brings us to another form of flying. The Crown's Edge Walk, allowing passengers to dangle along the side of the ship. This carabiner is pretty strong. Yes. Okay, this isn't scary at all. After a few deep breaths, here goes nothing. Oh my God. An adventure befitting of a first-of-its-kind ship. And I'm glad that everyone believes at home that I was actually nervous for that. All for the cameras, obviously. Guys, there's been a lot of talk right now about comparing the Icon of the Seas and the Titanic. Just from a visual perspective, look at this graphic. You're talking about the difference between 46,000 gross tons and 250,000 gross tons. Yeah, some saying it looks kind of like a tugboat compared to the Icon. As far as the total size here, in terms of passengers, it's roughly 7,500 plus a couple thousand plus crew members, so you're talking about 10,000 people total, give or take a capacity the size of a small city. No, no yes. question. I mean, that's next wow. level on, on yeah. so many levels, Sam. What, when and where is the, is the cruise going to set sail? 
Okay, so January 27th, Craig, is the maiden voyage. They're doing alternating trips to the eastern and western parts of the Caribbean. It also, they both include a stop at a private island that Royal Caribbean owns in the Bahamas, which is the perfect day at Coco Cay. That's what they call it. The demand is so over the top at this point that they've moved up booking for a sister ship that is not even in existence at this point. That is the level of buzz right now that the icon of the seas is generating. Jeez, wow. It's massive. Well, All right. Sam Brock, thank, thank you. you, Sam. Yeah. Oh, that's something. Floating city. Would you do that, Mr. Rooker? Would you get on board that? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we never maybe. We never know. Maybe. We never know. Okay. Never know. Anyway, let's show you what's going on. We got uh, wind chill advisories, wind chill watches, and warnings for 6 million people out throughout the plains. We are talking about right now, right now, the wind chill in Rapid City, 13 below, Minot, North Dakota, minus 30, Grand Junction, 19, Minneapolis. It feels like 11, and it's just going to keep dropping. Look at these weekend wind chills. Minus 28 in Minneapolis on Sunday, minus 32 in Des Moines, Rapid City, minus 41, Billings, Montana, minus 38, blast of cold comes on in, so for today... 12 degrees in Rapid City, 23 Denver, 19 in Omaha. Nashville, though, you're warmer than average, 55 degrees. Omaha, the temperatures tomorrow, single-digit high, 37 in Denver. And over the next several days, into as we get into next week, look at this, Chicago, you're going to be 5 degrees, 21 in Lexington, Kentucky, 1 on Sunday in, uh, in Duluth, and Dallas, by Monday, you are at 27 degrees. So that cold air is chopping south and east. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. Uh, Coming up, guys, a stunner from the world of college football. Stunner indeed. Alabama's Nick Saban, widely considered the greatest coach in history, retiring. What are you saying overnight? Plus, Hoda has a must-see boost that's actually tied to football. We'll do that right after this. Carson joins the decision that has shaken up college football, guys. Oh, yeah. Stunning move. Nick Saban, the legendary coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, just announced he's hanging up that headset after 292 wins, 11 SEC titles, and a remarkable seven national championships. NBC's Jesse Kirsch joins us with more on arguably the greatest coach of all time. Hey, Jesse. Hey guys, good morning. Jaw-dropping news. If you're having a debate about the greatest college football coach of all time, Nick Saban has to be on your list. And now the Crimson Tide are marking the end of an era of dominance on the gridiron. This morning, the tide is changing at Alabama, with head football coach Nick Saban announcing his retirement. The 72-year-old icon writing in a statement, it is not just about how many games we won and lost, but it's about the legacy and how we went about it. Saban was a college head coach for 28 years. I can't tell you how pleased and honored I am to be your coach at the University of Alabama. Spending the last 17 of them at Alabama, turning the Crimson Tide back into a powerhouse program. He won six national championships there, most recently in 2021 against Ohio State. I'm so proud of this group for what they've been able to accomplish in going undefeated and winning the national championship. At the start of this season, Saban called possible retirement rumors laughable. I don't want to do this if I can't do it anymore, but uh, I feel great right now. I love it. This season, Saban and Alabama winning the SEC championship and earning a spot in the Rose Bowl, where the tide fell short to the eventual national champs, the Michigan Wolverines. Really, really proud of this group. In 2022, Saban telling our Stephanie Gosk how he has made the mental health of his players a priority. We're all going to have bad things that happen. 
but our ability to overcome those negatives is going to go a long way in helping us be successful. This morning, the sports world praising one of the winningest coaches in college football history. I don't think there's anybody that's, that's a better coach than Nick Saban. NFL Hall of Famer and current Colorado head coach Deion Sanders tweeting, wow, college football just lost the GOAT to retirement. In Tuscaloosa, the Alabama faithful sat to see Saban go. At Alabama, we have this thing called the standard, and that standard is winning. So I hope whoever the future coach is, I hope he can live up to that standard. That standard is going to be tough to match. For some perspective, the college football playoff has been going on for 10 years now. Nick Saban's Crimson Tide teams have played in the semifinal round eight of those 10 years, guys. An amazing legacy for sure, Jesse. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, That story, Hood, actually sets up the... Morning boost perfectly. We did this all on purpose. From one <laughs> legendary coach to another, the Seattle Seahawks announcing the team was moving on from head coach Peach Car- Pete uh, Carroll after 14 years on the job. The 72-year-old is the winningest coach in franchise history, leading Seattle to a Super Bowl championship in 2014. So at a news conference yesterday, Carroll thanked his players, his assistant coaches, the fans, and then, and then he got emotional when he talked about his wife, Glenna. I've been blessed with, like, the rarest of best friends and uh, mentor, um, loving partner, the angel in my life. <laughs> this is worth crying for. Glenn, <laughs> uh, nobody would ever understand how significant She's been through all of the stuff that we've been through and uh, how important she is. As a, as she's just been the angel in my life and I owe you everything. Okay. That's oh, nice beautiful. Moment. Carol said his favorite memory over the last 14 years was this one, standing on the stage after winning the Super Bowl and finding oh. Glenna in the crowd. Mm. The Seahawks say Carol will remain with the team as an advisor, but he says he's not tired. He's not worn down. He's fired up. He's ready for whatever happens next. Wow. What wow. a tribute. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Always a classic. A lot, of, uh-huh. a lot of action yesterday. Yeah. We were just, you know, talking about Pete Carroll and all of a sudden yeah. the Nick Saban thing happened. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows oh, what happened Who knows today. what is next? Coming up on Popstar, guys, that is definitely on the way. Legendary actress Annette Bening is going to join us to talk about diving into the most challenging role of her career. Look forward to having Miss Bening here. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.